so good to see you all. I am so glad we are here today. We're going to continue with our time together in the reading of the word. If you can, I want to encourage you real quick to go to Luke chapter nine. It has been an eventful week, but I am glad we are here. Who knows where the Lord leads? We often do not know where the Lord leads when we do this together because we're just, we've got nothing prepared. We're just going to read and we're going to rant. We're going to spend 20 minutes reading the word and then we'll spend another 20 to 30 minutes just reflecting on the word with no preparation, just being led by the spirit today. See where God leads us as we spend time in his word. And we've been journeying through the entire, entire New Testament. We started with Matthew and we're just going to keep on going, y'all. We're going to keep on going. And if you're watching this right now, I want to encourage you to go ahead and um, subscribe to the podcast. Okay. Subscribe to the Read and Rant podcast. Um, we're getting close to 250,000 downloads, y'all. It's a, it's amazing how, how, I mean, it's, I don't know. I've, I've got no words for that. Um, and then also we have, um, our Patreon. Uh, you, as soon as this is done, we'll be on Patreon. And I know I don't put all the video episodes on, um, on, uh, YouTube, but I know that we have, um, a Discord community who's on with us every day. And so you can catch it live every morning um, where we either spend time in the reading of the word or we spend time in prayer. We read the word on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and we pray on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Or you can subscribe to our Patreon. Become a patron, y'all. Become a patron where you'll get to journey with us. Even now, we are live with our Discord community and there they go firing off on the emojis. Love it. I love it. This is amazing. This is awesome um, to see you all there. Thank you for posting this. I'm so encouraged by that. But we would just, you know, we'd encourage you to join our Patreon community or join our Discord community because we are live now. But on our Patreon community, we make it available to you right after. If not, you'll catch it eventually on the Read and Rant podcast. So with that being said, we are going to be reading in Luke chapter 9. And so I want to encourage you to go ahead and turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. And we just want to spend a few moments in the reading of the word. And we're going to pray. And when we pray, we ask three questions. God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? It's the first question I want you to prayerfully ask. And the second question is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? And the third question is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? What are you revealing concerning me? With that being said, let's get in today. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege that you've given us, Lord, to engage with you in your word. So today, as we Lord, gather together. We ask, Lord, that you would bless us today. Lord, reveal your goodness, reveal your mercy towards us as we read your word today. Lord, bless us, Lord, in all that we do, Lord, as we, Lord, navigate through maybe some of the complexities of this word. Let your spirit guide us. Let your spirit lead us. Let us not be simply tantalized by the facilities of our mind, but, Father, let us be moved by the power of your spirit, inspired to be who you've called us to be. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 9, and it says this. 
Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said to them, take nothing for the journey, neither staffs, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there, depart. And whoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet as a testimony against them. So they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by him, and he was perplexed, because it was said by some that John had risen from the dead, and by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the old prophets had risen again. Herod said, John, I have beheaded, but who is this of whom I hear such things? So he sought to see him. And the disciples, when they had returned, told him, what they had done. Then he took him, went aside privately into a deserted place belonging to a city called Bethsaida. And when the multitudes knew it, they followed him and he received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who had need of healing. And when the day began to wear away, the 12 came and said to him, send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions, for we are in a deserted place here. But then he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. Then he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and two fish, and looking up into heaven, he blessed them and broke them, and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled, and twelve baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. And it happened as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him, and he asked them, saying, Who do the crowd say that I am? So they answered and said, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah, and others say that one of the old prophets has risen again. And he said to them, who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. Verse 21, and he secretly warned and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed and lost? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his fathers and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, 
There are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. Hmm. Verse 28. Now it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he took up Peter, John, and James and went up to the mountain and prayed. And he prayed and the appearance of his face was altered. Oh, and his robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men walked with him who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in the glory and spoke of his, uh, sorry, his decease, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. But Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Then it happened as they were parting from him that Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them and they were fearful as they entered the, the cloud. And the voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. When the voice had, uh, sorry, hear him. When the voice had ceased, sorry, Jesus was found alone, but they kept quiet and told no one in those days any of the things they had seen. Now it happened on the third day when they had come down from the mountain that a great multitude met him. Suddenly a man from the multitude cried out saying, teacher, I implore you, look at my son for he is my only child. And behold, the spirit seizes him and suddenly he cries out and it convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and it departs from him with great difficulty, bruising him. So I implore your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. And as he was still coming, the demon threw him down and convulsed him. Then Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the child, and gave him back to his father. And they were all amazed at the majesty of God. But while everyone marveled at all the things Jesus did, he said to his disciples, let these words sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. But they did not understand this saying, and it was hidden from them, so they did not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about this saying. Then a dispute rose among them as to which of them would be greatest. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a little child and set him by him. And said to them, whoever receives this little child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all will be great. For he who is least among you all will be great. That was good stuff. Now John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he does not follow us. But Jesus said to him, Do not forbid him, for he who is not against us is on our side. He who is not against us is on our side. There's so much here, guys. Ooh, I'm stirred up.
stirred up out of my slumber. Verse 51. Now it came to pass when the time had come from him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered the village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? He turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Now it happened, as they journeyed on the road, that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. And he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But if you go and preach the kingdom of God, sorry, but go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are in, at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Hmm. Oh. I'm going to stop right here. I know we're reading one chapter. Um, but given the time, and of course, you know, loose chapters are a little bit more... Uh, comprehensive, if that's the word we want to use. Um, so Luke is obviously taking us some time, but I, I love the book of Luke. And the reason why I love the book of Luke, I love the book of Luke for its detail. I love the book of Luke for the way Luke articulates the narrative of Jesus' ministry. If you notice, Luke is reiterating some of the stuff that we've read in Matthew and Mark. Luke is a part of what we call the synoptic gospels. Synoptic meaning same or seeing the same. Sync optic, synoptic gospels. And so you're going to find a lot of similarities in uh, Luke's gospel as you'll find in Mark's gospel and also in the gospel of Matthew. However, in uh, Luke, what you'll notice, as you'll notice this in Matthew and Mark, is that while they give us a lot of the same stories, you'll notice that each one gives it from a certain perspective, right? Matthew has a purpose in the writing of the, the gospel of Matthew, right? Um, Mark has a purpose, and Luke has a purpose. Luke is entreating the intellectual, Luke is entreating the thinker. Luke is entreating the scientist. This is Dr. Luke. That's right. This is Dr. Luke, who's writing this letter. And uh, so, so not a letter, but the story or the gospel, the good news. And he's writing the good news. But notice that Luke, because of who his audience is, right? The, the Theophilus is of the world. That's who Luke is writing to. Because Luke is writing 
to the Theophiluses of the world, Luke is very intentional to bring certain details to light. And so Luke brings details up about some of the same stories that we read that Matthew didn't bring up or that Mark didn't bring up. And so I love uh, the book of Luke for that. I love uh, the, 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 interest, the, the intricacy, the meticulous detail that Luke engages in with the reader to really bring the story to life and to bring about details. There is, um, in this chapter, particularly this chapter, there is a sermonic brilliance to the chapter. And what I mean by that is, is there's so many things woven in this chapter that's, that's really inspiring when you, when you read it. Um, and, and part of what's woven into it is, is, and, I, and this is what I'm going to probably spend most of my time in today as we reflect on this text today is he, he weaves in the, the benefits, the beauty, and the burden of discipleship. Ooh, I'm going to save that for another day. That's a message right there. Um, he, the, the benefits, the beauty, and the burdens of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And you'll see that because you'll see uh, the beauty of it um, in the, the mission that he gives them and how he gives them authority. And so we see the, the benefit of them being near to Christ, being equipped by Christ, and then being sent by Christ. Like if someone is going to, you know, be your disciple maker, ain't nobody better than Jesus to be your disciple maker. Like you can't do better than Jesus, right? Um, if Jesus is the one, you know, teaching you, you ain't, you ain't got nothing better than that. And so they've got Jesus who's practically and pragmatically teaching them how to go and to move in his power and authority is it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. But then of course you'll see woven into the text. We see the, the beauty of it, but we see the, we see the benefit of it, the beauty of it, but then we see woven and, and kind of hitting close to the end, the cost of it. And, and, and so what we call the burden of discipleship, and there's a burden to discipleship. It's funny when, you know, people, you know, when, when we talk about the, the Christian life, folks have a tendency to um, talk about, well, you know, my relationship with Jesus is the best relationship I can ever have. And for someone who's outside of it, they'll see it. And it's not to say it isn't true because it is the best relationship that you can ever have. But we forget that even in the greatest relationships, there are great burdens in it, right? You can have a great marriage and yet there are difficulties in it, right? You can have a, a great um, job and yet have moments where there are just, there, there are trials in it. You, you can have, you know, you can have a great thing and yet there are uh, burdens in it and, and, and trials and, and costs to it. Um, relationship costs, y'all. Relationship costs. I think that's the part we forget. You've got to lose yourself. You got to lose a lot of yourself. This is why a lot of people can't get married nowadays. <laughs> Quick little side note there. That's why a lot of people can't get married nowadays because people want to get married and still remain the same. Like people want to get married and still live their old life. People want to get married and still be their old self. The scripture tells us that the two will become one flesh. Become one. You can't become one with your wife or with your husband 
and remain the same person. And one of the beauties of marriage, sorry if I ran on this, it's just a little side note, but one of the beauties of marriage is that marriage has a way of making you holy. I heard a, a guy say this maybe, um, um, what was it, uh, a few weeks ago, or maybe it was, I don't know, now I'm losing track of time. But there were, he said something that was really beautiful is that most people get married for the wrong reason. Most people get married to be happy when God created marriage for you to be holy. Marriage sanctifies you. Sanctifies you. Meaning marriage is going to change you. And if marriage is going to change you, guess what? You're going to have to let go of some things about yourself. You're going to have some things corrected about yourself. You're going to have some things changed about yourself. So if all your single friends see that you got married, say, oh my gosh, all of a sudden you're married. Now you changed. Guess what? That's what's supposed to happen. You're not supposed to be the same guy that you were before. You're not supposed to live the same life that you were before. I don't care if your brothers are married. I don't care if your brothers are single. It doesn't matter what it is. But when you get married, something changes. Same thing with my sisters. You you don't just get to have somebody cater to your happy life when you get married. Relationship costs, y'all. Relationship is expensive. You say, how much does it cost? It costs everything. It costs all of you. Okay. And the same applies with a relationship with Jesus. You can't have a relationship with Jesus and expect your life to remain the same. You can't have a relationship with Jesus and expect now for Jesus to cater your present life. You can't have a life with Jesus and expect that everything is going to be, you know, what, business as usual. I'm just going to go and hit up Jesus whenever I need Jesus to help me live the life that I want to live. Uh-uh. A life with Jesus is costly. A life with Jesus is going to cost you everything. This is the burden of discipleship is that. There are too many of us that have got our, got our own agendas and our own thing and we want to do our own thing. And, and we, we, we got our own plans. And because we got our own plans, we're asking Jesus to work around our plans. We're asking Jesus to work around our priorities. We're asking Jesus to work around our lifestyle. It's funny because there's so many. F I'm sorry, y'all. I'm already in rant mode. This is what happens when you ain't got enough sleep yet. Okay. But this is so important. This is just, I'm now I'm just, I'm losing all inhibition here. We're just going to go where the spirit leads. Fam, let's just think about this for a second, because I think when we look at today's culture, we have a culture today that wants to make Jesus a form of what they celebrate and what they want. We have a culture today that has um, um, turned Jesus into the idol of their culture the idol of what they celebrate, who they turn Jesus into a facilitator of the life that they want to live. I love when people, um, well, I, I, I love to hear the conversations, not to say that it's, these are all correct, but I love to hear when folks are having conversations about Jesus. And I love to hear when folks are articulating some of the difficulties and challenges that come to serving Jesus, because it's not a sweet thing. 
What frustrates me is when folks will say, well, I identify as this, or I identify as that, or this is who I am. I mean, how can you question who I am? This is who I am. How can you, how can you challenge who I am? Or this is who God created me to be. First of all, even though you were created by God, understand that you were created in sin. Oh man, we in trouble today. When you were created, however way God created you, you were created in sin. David said, in sin, my mother conceived me. Meaning then, no matter who you are, no matter what you identify yourself with, no matter what it is, you know, whatever proclivity or whatever it is that you have, understand this, that God did not create you that way. Even though you were created by God, you were created in sin. That's the part we don't like because we want to keep who we were before Christ and make it work around our relationship with Christ. When what God is saying is, is no, you've got to actually die to yourself. Matter of fact, you were born dead. And what Jesus is reminding us is he's reminding us just like any relationship, a relationship with him is going to change us. A relationship with him is going to change us. I, um, if you, if you would allow me just a few moments, because I think even as we talk about it, I want to come back to this, but I just want to make one quick mention here. How brilliant, um, Jesus I'm mean, sorry, how brilliant Luke is in the way this is written. Like chapter nine is just, man, it's intertwined and there's so many threads here, but there's another one. One in which we see Jesus moving in a demonstration and sorry, a demonstration of power. We see miraculous work that Jesus is doing and we see the attention that it draws. It's funny because I think nowadays we've got a church that's often um, we're so quick to like tell people, you know, come to church. You are not of the world, you know, you know, be separate from the world, come to church, you know, um, and the church can be a place of refuge and people can go to church. But I think what's beautiful about what Luke articulates in chapter nine is how powerful it is for believers of Jesus Christ to engage with the communities that they're in. We see the people of God, watch this now, the 12 disciples, Jesus sends them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So now Jesus is sending them out to do what he does. Discipleship is not know what I know. Discipleship is do what I do. Side note, again, intertwined here. And so he's teaching them to do what he does because Jesus wants them to do what he does. And so he does it, they do it. And then in doing it, they get Herod's attention because I believe when the church actually engages with the city, 
it brings the city to alert. It, 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 it takes, the city takes notice. I think today we have a church that's so passive that the city doesn't even take notice of the church anymore. Like the church is so passive, they don't draw the attention of the city leaders, the magistrates, the kings, or today we'd call them the mayors and the senators. Like we don't capture their attention in that way. No, we capture their attention through political alliances, not through the demonstration of power, not through the demonstration of the preaching of the gospel, the kingdom of God. So we, you know, we use other means to get their attention, but here, They've captured the attention so much so that Herod is hearing these things and he's like, hold on a second. They're saying that this is Elijah. And people are testifying. This must be Elijah reappearing. Or you know what? No, it's got to be John. Just John. John the Baptist is back, y'all. Y'all hear that? John the Baptist is back. And then, of course, Herod goes and he, he inquires and he seeks after him. And then afterwards, notice intertwined in this is Jesus then asked the disciples, who do they say that I am? And Luke is trying to remind them. He's pointing back to what we saw in the earlier part of the chapter. So Luke then says, who do they say that I am? And of course, they affirm to him that some say that you are Elijah the prophet. Some say that you are John the Baptist. And Jesus is like, okay, now that I know who they say that I am, Jesus is like, who do you say that I am? So notice that as the disciples move, they get the attention of Jesus and they believe those who are on the outside that somehow Elijah has returned, John the Baptist has returned. So they are now witnesses to Jesus. And then when Jesus hears of what they've said, he asked them, who do they say that I am? And of course, they say, well, you know, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, da, da, da. And he's like, all right, well, that's who they say. Who do you say I am? This is so critically important for everyone that is here. Is to be aware that your relationship with Christ is one that is personal not based off of what someone said, not based off of what someone has articulated, not based off of someone's doctrine, not based off of someone's ideology, not based off of what the culture is saying. No, 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 no. You're not being moved by what they say. Jesus is asking them, what do you say? And of course, you know, Peter says, you're the Christ of God. And so I love how it's intertwined. And then Jesus goes into back to what we were saying before. He says, you've got to take up the cross and follow me. He's already warning them about, about what's going to happen. And he's warning them about what is going to happen, not only afterwards, but sorry, he's preparing them to He's sorry, he's preparing them for the challenge that they're about to confront. Following Jesus is not sweet. Following Jesus is not sweet. And if it ever gets comfortable and sweet, you have to ask yourself the question, am I doing it right? 
Like if it's culturally comfortable to follow Jesus, are you really doing it right? If everybody likes you, everybody loves you, are you really doing it right? Who are you professing in the midst of this? Are you professing Christ? Are you professing the culture? Are you are you professing what Jesus? So Jesus is asking Peter personally, "Who do you say that that I am?" Because publicly, you're going to have to stand up for who I am. You see how he intertwines that? Because now, as I look and I see the text, Jesus is telling him, "Get ready, y'all." Because who you say that I am, you can't deny this in public. And every day you're going to have to stand up and you're going to have to take that cross daily and follow me. Notice Jesus hasn't even carried the cross yet and he's already given him a heads up. When you see me carrying that cross, be reminded of this conversation that I'm having with you, that one day you're going to have to carry that cross as well. And he is whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him. The son of man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory. But I tell you the truth. There are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. Tough words to be said. Because some will deny him. There was one among them that did. Judas sold him even though Judas knew who he was. Judas sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. And some sell Jesus today. And even though there are folks among us who are sold out for Jesus, there's some who are sellouts for Jesus. Jesus is only there when they're comfortable. Jesus is only there to propagate their agenda. Jesus is only there to push whatever it is that they want to push. But do they take up the cross? There's an era of Christians today that simply want the comfortable Christianity. But Jesus is warning them that this one is going to cost you everything. And Jesus is warning them that my ministry was never supposed to be sweet. And he warns them twice in this text. <laughs> Y'all, I'm going to die for this. The gospel of the kingdom of God, I'm going to die for the gospel of the kingdom of God. And of course, folks are going, okay, Jesus, we want to follow you. You know, and then Jesus says to them, well, foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. You ain't going to have anywhere. You want to follow me? You need to do what I do. You're not going to be home here. <laughs> oh, man, this is not your home. You're sojourners, pilgrims. This ain't it. And he says to another, follow me. He said, let me first go and bury my father. Man, that sounds, I mean, that sounds important. He says, let the dead bury the dead. Okay, there's so much to unpack that we ain't got the time. I got five minutes to close out. 
Somebody say, man, that's disrespectful. Jesus won't even let me bury my parents. Okay, you're missing the whole point of the text. What it's saying is, is where are your priorities? One says, let me bid farewell to my house. And he says, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. What do you mean? There's no looking back. Like everything we do, what does it align with? It, it, how important is it? Are we willing to take on the cost of discipleship? Like where is where is Jesus actually in your life? And that's it. I'm done because I gotta go. This is the challenge, y'all. Where where is Jesus in your life? Where is Jesus in your marriage? Where where, where is Jesus in your career? Where is Jesus in your finances? Where is Jesus in your home? Is Jesus the afterthought? Or is Jesus the forethought? Is Jesus the, oh, snap. That's right. Jesus, Jesus is in this as well. Oh, my bad. My bad. I forgot. Or is Jesus on the forefront? Is Jesus the all in all? Or is Jesus the side thing that you incorporate when it's convenient? Is he everything? Because Jesus is saying, for me to be here, I've got to be everything or nothing. The beauty of discipleship is we get to be with Jesus. <laughs> The beauty of discipleship is we get to hear from Jesus. The beauty of discipleship is we get to dwell and to dine with Jesus. The beauty of discipleship is we get to have a relationship with Jesus. The cost of our of discipleship is our lives. Our lives. And if you want to be comfortable, maybe this isn't for you. It's literally what he's saying. I know culture wants you to do the whole self-care thing. And I know the culture wants you to, you know, live your best life. And I know the culture, but the cost of discipleship is everything. Everything. So today, as we meander through life, as we navigate through the challenges of life today, as you're being presented with opportunities, where's your posture? Is it one of continual sacrifice, taking on, taking up the cross daily, or is it one that says, I'm going to do me and then I'm going to have Jesus be a part of it whenever it's convenient. I'm sorry, today's going to be a little tough. But we got to really ask ourselves the question, have we denied ourselves? Or are we denying Christ? Who are we denying today? Real talk, this is, that's the challenge. Like, who are we denying today? Even if God, you know, the, the thing that's really exciting is how I see even folks who are here on Discord. I'm seeing all y'all right now. The thing that's really exciting about it is how, you know, God is blessing so many of us in so many different ways. 
you know, he's blessing us in ministry. He's blessing us in business and our finances. Like, it's amazing to see how the Lord is blessing a lot of folks who are here financially. Uh, God is blessing a lot of folks relationally. God is restoring families here. It is amazing to see it. Um, God is opening doors in different areas and arenas. I mean, you, you got to understand, like this community that we're in, we're a part of a community of people who are experiencing so many different levels of success. And God is doing some, I mean, just amazing stuff. I, I, I just, it is amazing to see what God is doing. The question is, to what end? To what end? What profits a man to gain the whole world and to lose his own soul? What is my success for? What is my money for? What's my influence for? God's growing a lot of y'all in influence. What is your influence for? What is any of it for? When you live a life of continual denial, I'm finishing up. When you live a life of continual denial, family, you live a life with no fear. <laughs> when you've denied yourself and when you've taken up the cross, there's actually no fear. <laughs> When you live a life of denial, you don't fear losing your marriage because your marriage isn't yours. It's Christ. When you deny your finances, you don't fear losing because it's his. When you deny your career, that career that God gives you, you're not afraid to lose it because it was never yours. When you take up the cross daily with your influence, I fear not a single thing about losing the influence. And maybe that's why the Lord keeps blessing me with this influence. I don't know. I feel like, how does it feel to have a million followers? And I'm like, feels like how it did when I had 10. <laughs> And they say, why? Because this is only for the glory of Christ. First of all, I didn't even want this. <laughs> but he did it for the glory of Christ. And along the way, through God's generosity, I'm being generous with this influence and this time and all my energy and everything I have. I don't live for myself and so I see what God, how God blesses me. He blesses me with amazing stories. He blesses me with each and every one of y'all. He blesses me with y'all. Like, this is a blessing. You have no idea how blessed I am to be among this group of people. I mean, this is so encouraging to me. Okay, everybody knows, ain't nobody more regular, okay? Ain't nobody more plain than Isaac. <laughs> and y'all say y'all super regular, trust me, okay? It takes people who know me, though. Man, this man's so regular. I don't know how this happened. Me neither. 
I don't know how it happened, but here we are. And I do not fear losing this at all. You say, well, how can you be so humble in all this? I'm humble in it because I've denied myself. And I deny every day. And there are days, even now, this is convicting me. There are days when I'm like, hold on. I'm bearing more than I should be bearing. I'm stressing out more than I should be stressing out. I'm putting more on my back than I should be putting. This is not mine. I don't live for any of this. I live for Christ. This is the freedom that we all have. This is the beauty of discipleship. It comes with the burden, but this is the beauty of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's not going to be easy. It will never be easy. There will be hard days. There will be painful days. But the confidence that we have is that he is with us. It ain't supposed to be easy, but my God, it is good. Stop putting your hand on the plow. And looking back, wait, hold on, hold on, God. I'm, I still got some stuff back there. And that's family, that's money, that's marriage, that's relationships, that's all of it. He's saying, no, 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 you've got to look forward and trust God with everything that he's given you. So fam, today, Let's take up the cross. Let's deny ourselves in everything. Love y'all, fam. God bless you guys. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. I thank you for reminding us of your goodness in this text today. Lord, it's so easy for us to be distracted by the culture, by Lord, all the things that are Lord, transpiring in history. And Lord, I sometimes find that we can get distracted by politics and Lord, we can be distracted by those who are close to us. We can be distracted by the possessions that we have. We can be so consumed by all these things, Lord, that Lord, at the end of the day, I mean nothing without you. Father, teach us, Lord, to Lord, let it all go, to give it all to you and to trust you with it, to know, Lord God, that Lord, the greatest blessing is you. So we ask that you would remind us today and all that we do, Lord, through the wins and through the losses, Lord, let us not be overly confident in the wins, but let us not be overly distressed in the losses. For we know that to live is Christ and to die is gain. So Father, teach us to die daily. <laughs> teach us to take up the cross every day. Lord, teach us to let go of our pride. Teach us to let go of our agendas. And teach us to seek after your own. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Love y'all, fam. God bless you guys. I will see you guys on Sunday. We will, we will continue our little mini-series on how we read the Bible. I hope the last one was helpful to you. Of course, I'll be posting this right away. 
And I know that um, you guys know I'll, I'll be posting the Bible studies for you all right away as well. And we'll, we'll keep journeying through that. And I hope that through this reading the Bible series that we're doing, when we get to uh, back to Ephesians chapter two, it's going to it's going to open it wide open for y'all. All right. Love y'all, fam. I will see you on Sunday. God bless you guys.